to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt happy president's day shelby oh wow yes thank you how could i forget what did you have the day off I'm on maternity leave. Oh, you're on maternity leave. I forget every day is President's Day for you. Yeah, exactly. I've been enjoying the... uh, my Rob got it off, so he's been helping out, so that's been nice. Oh, fun. Yeah. and um, I also had it off, so good time. It snowed in Texas, so... um, I mean, it's not really related, but my sister came over because her internet stopped working, which I don't know if it's because the cold, but <laughs> she's here. So it's been a party. <laughs> it's uh, it's truly wild. The things that Southerners just cannot <laughs> endure when it comes to the cold, you know, it's not the individual. It's the infrastructure. Okay. Yeah. But also like you, none of you can drive when there's like a pittance <laughs> of snow anywhere. It's no, like, I can, I can drive no one, through like no 15 feet on the freeway. It's you not know? like it's, yeah, These are he, things that happen in here's your the thing, Michigan. Shelby, and... no, Shelby, I'd live, I lived in the country. You think people are salting those roads like <laughs> yeah. 24-7? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, they get to it eventually, but sometimes you have to dig yourself out. So, I mean, you you just, you're you're driving while it's snowing, so there's not okay, actively well, salt. Anyways. You just like, you're just more cautious. You're better yeah, at it. Where yeah. I feel like Texans are like, snow, I can still go 70. <laughs> and then it's like, no, you can't, honey. Actually, we have a good view of a pretty busy intersection and... This morning when there was still like snow covering the ground, people were driving like so slow. And on top of that, they had their hazards on, even though it's like, (laughs) we all know what's going on here. Like we see you driving, like, you know, we're all in the same boat. So why the hazards? Well, maybe that's the issue then is that some people are driving too slow and some people are driving too fast. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. I don't know. I mean, I'm flying down there to investigate the situation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come do some uh, sleuthing, but it has I'm gonna do some workshops. I think for everyone. Yeah, my dog has enjoyed the frost, and I've been staying indoors. And I mean, it's just another another day, really. Just uh, the threat of climate change looming ever larger, but that's okay. <laughs> did you do guys do anything fun for Valentine's Day? Oh, let's see. What did we do? Um, nothing romantic. Nothing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I know. It's too So you got to start celebrating these holidays. Celebrate presidents. Well, celebrate we love. To do? We couldn't eat outside because it was freezing. And I don't so... know. Like watch some presidential speeches. Read yeah. a biography on Woodrow we Wilson. We did watch a rom-com, I guess. But Laura was also there. So it wasn't like a romantic thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm. And this weekend I did a Q&A on our, on our socials, which I thought oh, was I did fun. I don't know if you enjoyed it. <laughs> There's a lack of response, I thought, to my the the energy I brought to from the answers. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they were mostly disparaging me. Yeah, but so I wasn't exactly like sure what feedback. I was supposed to do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it was fun, and it got me thinking. You know, we spend most of our time on Instagram for being real because I just can't crack the Twitter code. Like I, I enjoy being on Twitter, but I'm by no means thinking that I'll gather followers on Twitter because it's just like it's too hard it's too crowded it's hard to gather followers on twitter even like if you're even if you're good at twitter and you know people i don't (laughs) under like i guess i i'm sure if i sat here and thought for five seconds about the algorithm i could figure out like why that is but it does seem easier to get followers on instagram for whatever reason (laughs) but i don't know why i don't either but Hmm. i was thinking since people we've seemed to have you know gotten to the to the end of people willing to write an apple review (laughs) oh yes Uh 
if you guys are listening to this and enjoying it, you should share it to your Instagram stories. And then um, then we'll have something to reshare on Instagram as well. So it's oh. like, you know, a perpetuation of, okay, gotcha. of self-love and idolation. Yes. So. Yeah. Feel free to share yeah. on Instagram. My gosh. How <laughs> yeah, can we exactly. haven't come up with this idea before? <laughs> I know. So that's our new call to action. Every episode okay. is... Um, just, share on Instagram. Yeah, share on Instagram. Okay. Tell us what you think of the episode. Tell your friends why you like this show. It, it'll be a, a joy for us to read. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Say nice things about me. Mostly. Yeah. Please. <laughs> he needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been a big week for pop news. I, oh, yes. Ha- yes, it has. It has just, I mean, the bachelor tea is yeah. so hot. <laughs> uh, so, he, so I saw like headlines and stuff about Chris Harrison's leaving the bachelor yes, or something, yeah, yeah. but honestly, I haven't watched two seconds of this season i know nothing about what's going on and i purposely was like i'm not going to read any of these articles i'm just going (laughs) to let shelby tell me what's happening okay good because i mean it's almost flippant to call it tea because what happened was like a wild story from start to finish but it has kept me fed all weekend and i actually downloaded reddit just so i could be like on top of the news as it happened because it was just it was was happening and it was happening fast yeah okay so some background details um for you and for our listeners um Mm -hmm. so this season is the first black bachelor the show has ever had. And it sort of came up because there was a push for representation and diversity last year during the black lives matter, um, summer, summer season protest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the more diverse seasons we've ever had, but there is this contestant, Rachel Kirkconnell, who is white and very young. She's like 23, fresh out of college. And just these stories started coming out that seemed like she had a pretty racist past or was peppered with some poor choices. And she grew up in a very, very, very what's called a racist town in Georgia. I don't know. There was whole articles written about how this town is like still one of the most segregated cities in America. Mm. And um, so not like great vibes, but just over the last six weeks or however long the show's been on, just more and more has come out where she's like, she's liked pictures of her friends with Confederate flags in the background or like dressing up as, you know, Pocahontas or not even Pocahontas saying it's Pocahontas, but it's not like, Disney cosplay is just Native American garb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, then uh, the most damning thing was like last week, this photo came out of her at um, what's called an Old South party, um, where this fraternity and sorority chapter in Georgia hosted a big like antebellum party where you dress up in your pretty gowns and you go to a plantation and you just, oh, isn't it fun to pretend Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're back in the good old day. Very, very, <laughs> very racist uh, undertones, let's say, to that mm-hmm. to that energy. And so there had been a lot of calls to, like, why isn't she apologizing? Like, what does she think about this? Why isn't she or the show speaking out? And on top of this, you have the first Black Bachelorette from a few years ago, Rachel Lindsay. And she has been able to sort of pivot her fame into a more illustrious career than most um, bachelor nation people so she's actually a host or a correspondent for extra and so her job entails a lot of like celebrity and uh sort of pop oh like the, like the like extra extra that, <laughs> like that show i think so okay she was doing an interview with chris harrison and you know they go way back they're chummy so chris harrison's right. really comfortable really casual and she asks him towards the end of this interview like 
what why aren't we hearing from Rachel Kirkconnell? Like what what are you guys thinking about this? Like on the show or outside the show? No, this is a live interview. This is happening on air. And um he Right, but like was were they at was she asking whether, like, why the show wasn't addressing it or why it wasn't being addressed off the show? Oh, right. Like, like has anything happened show. on the show no, no, yet? No, or no, no. Okay. it has to do with on the show. This is just, okay. like, another situation where they cast someone with a racial history that was very easy to find on their social media. And mm-hmm. people are just like, why wasn't she screened better? Or why hasn't this been addressed better by the yes. show now that people mm-hmm. have discovered it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Chris Harrison, I mean, goes off in like a very unfortunate, unfortunate way. He um, starts immediately gunning for Rachel Kirkconnell, the contestant in question. And he references the woke police and how we just need to show grace to this poor young girl who's just being attacked and by the cancel culture that's just ruining people's lives. And as Rachel, the black host who's been taught, you know, trotted out as this like token for the show for years, mm-hmm. pushes back and is like, this is a problem. What would I have been representing if I went to an Old South party? He cuts her off. He talks over her. He talks at her and is like, oh, well, we're looking at her choices through the 2021 lens. In 2018, no one knew this was racist. 50 million people were going to these parties. It's People didn't realize these things were bad until 2020. It's been six years. And everyone's like, what is this guy talking about? Because his math is wrong. He's making up these statistics. There's there's no reason to think that racism mm-hmm. was a new thing that wasn't, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. well-researched in 2018. And then on top of that, the the fraternity itself canceled, like outlawed these sort of parties in 2016. So the fraternity was well aware that this was an inappropriate party, but Rachel Kirkconnell's chapter just decided to go and do it anyways. And so there was immediate pushback when this uh, interview aired where it's just like, what was he thinking? But also like, oh, he said the quiet part out loud type thing. And Mm -hmm. um, immediately just Bachelor Nation as a whole started to like really talk about this and talk about how problematic it is. Not only that he said these things, but that he's the face of the franchise, that he was saying it as the face of the franchise, that he was willing to speak up for a contestant instead of stand up for the people of color both in Mm -hmm. in the franchise and those watching the franchise and so the optics were just awful immediately there was calls for him to be fired so he comes out with this sort of apology that's like oh i'll learn and i'll do better but (laughs) rachel Lindsay hosts a podcast called higher learning um with the ringer and so they talked about this and she was like yeah i don't really buy his apology because right after we did the interview he like texted me and was like oh it's isn't it so great that we can disagree so like polite like we get along so well even though we disagree like I thought that was so great it was so fun to chat with you like clearly didn't feel bad at all about what he said and only apologized once there was this heat for it Mm -hmm. Rachel Kirkconnell finally releases this apology letter that's uh, I mean, it's like a well, well-crafted well apology, and you'd hope that she means whatever she says, but it all feels a little bit mm, convenient that it happens now. So there's this change petition for Chris to step down. Everyone in Bachelor Nation is like being called out for not speaking out on this. And So did a bunch of the bachelors and bachelorettes come out and be like, get rid of Chris? Yeah. Or did, so they, it turned did some into of this... them stand up for him? 
You no, know, it was mostly like it started to feel sort of like that black square moment <laughs> where everyone knew that oh, they yes. had to uh-huh. address this, but the mm-hmm. variance to how impassioned they were about it uh, was wide. So really, I think what happened is... Did the- McKenna post anything? That's what <laughs> yeah. I want to know. I didn't check on her, but um, there were two really powerful accounts that um, sort of spoke up and got the fire burning under a lot of people's butts. Um, the Black Trillorette, it's um, two black women who host this podcast about The Bachelor and their love for it, but also their hate for it. Mm-hmm. They did this really powerful, really inspiring um, breakdown of it on their IGTV. And if anyone wants a, a, a better explained version, I'd definitely check them out. It's the Black Trillorettes on Instagram, Black Chillerettes without an A. And another contestant who's been sort of uh, a spokesperson for the people of color on the show is Taylor Nolan, who's Tay Mocha. And she also talked a lot about this. And so I think what happened first is that this year's cast of women released a joint statement that was like, we urge like Bachelor Nation to care more about us like put you know put your money where your mouth is type thing like you said you would cared about diversity but now prove it type thing so it wasn't like fire chris harrison so the girls on matt james yeah 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 they all not the mckenna season no (laughs) and then and then claire's season of men also put out a joint statement that was like this needs to be addressed and then every major bachelor bachelorette face was pressured by fans to share what they thought about it. So some of them just reposted these statements from the party. Some of them reposted the video from the Black Tourette's. Some of them were like, oh my gosh, Chris needs to step down. This is shameful. Some of them were like, he's my friend. I believe him, but it is too bad what he said. We need to have like both sidesisms. Mm-hmm. And so it was all this mess. And I really didn't think anything would happen because even within the franchise, it's still a pretty quiet you know, wave like this is a show that is watched by millions of people. And most of those millions tend to be very conservative, white Christian (laughs) audience members. That's just a fact. That's what the show has been. And every time there's sort of a push for diversity, people are like, well, woke police, why? So this wasn't like causing waves necessarily across the board. But I think there was enough from these more powerful (laughs) uh, Bachelor accounts and uh, representatives that Chris, yeah, he finally released a second statement, a second apology, where he says he'll be taking a break. Um, It's very unclear what that means, if it's just code for we're slowly pushing him out or if it's just, oh, we'll let this die down and then go back to normal in a few months. Mm -hmm. But he won't be on the After the Final Rose special and... It remains to be seen if he'll be hosting the season of The Bachelorette that should be filming soon or the season of Paradise if they get away with Do doing Do we know that. who the next Bachelorette is? No, that was supposedly supposed to be announced this week, um, but, oh, but no, bad it's... news. Mm. <laughs> bad news pushed it out, I guess. So it's been a messy time for The Bachelor. I mean, this is a show that I love, but I also that like hate that I love it. Like I recognize how problematic and like, weird and toxic this show can be especially this season if we're being honest but i was proud to see that a lot of these people like move together and a lot of people are like oh cancel culture is so bad but it's not canceling someone to hold them accountable for what they did in a job that you're supporting them doing you know what i mean like i think that's yeah frustrating to me it's like we're just we're just holding these people accountable for doing the thing that we are 
letting them do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's this idea that cancel culture is, you know, like finding somebody who has done something that's like not that bad and then like ruining their whole career, which I mean, I think definitely has happened in certain cases. Yeah. But I think that in most situations, it's someone who has behaved poorly, but in a way that in the past they would have been able to get away from with Mm -hmm. and then now in the present that we are paying more attention and people are more vigilant and these standards are more important that now those people have to see consequences for their actions just like you know you would in any position if you didn't do a good job or you did something that was you know culturally taboo it's just that for so long the things that should have been bad and looked down upon have not been and so people have been able to get away with a bunch of crap yeah, it's it's interesting. I think these reality shows are all sort of going through growth pains, growing <laughs> yeah. pains, because like Survivor had something ha- that happened a couple of seasons ago where one of the cast members was sort of like um, sexually harassing other cast members. And during the shooting, they didn't handle it very well. And so um, and so there was a big to do when when those episodes were coming out and people started reacting to it and then they sort of had to after the fact go over it and i think that in the end they ended up doing a good job with like once the backlash came but initially they didn't handle it well big brother has had multiple instances where they've had people who they cast on the show who are you know they're in this house with these cameras Mm -hmm. running 24 7 and they say you know racist things or um, you know, are like voting out all of the cast members of color in a row right. at the beginning of the season, or there's an alliance and it's all like the straight white people <laughs> or something like that, you know? So I think that some of these shows are now finally having to address those issues like right. Big Brother and Survivor. I think, I think all of the CBS reality shows, so maybe Amazing Race too, all committed to have at least 50% of the cast be non-white people mm-hmm. which is like it it sh- that shouldn't be like a crazy big step but right. usually you know it's like there's it 18 is, people yeah. there's three people who aren't white on the cast and then i think just subconsciously the white people are more connected to each other or you know in some cases they're more comfortable with each other because they are more like each other and so they end up like voting out the people of color much earlier in the season and you can just like look at 40 seasons worth of the show and be like yeah that happens (laughs) like this isn't a this isn't an idea like this is a statistic why does this happen well because you know you're on a tribe with six people and you're the one who's obviously the odd man out so they're like yeah let's vote this person out No, it's like, I mean, even this week, there was a big kerfuffle because the woman from The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about this, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you can you can summarize the story then. So Gina Carano, who is like an used to be an MMA fighter. She was then on that show, American Gladiators. And now she's been doing some acting. So she's in Mandalorian. She plays the sort of like muscular female bounty hunter character (laughs) i can't remember what her name is like yeah i want to say lorna dune but i know that's not it because that's a cookie brand (laughs) uh but anyways she has been making some let's say questionable choices on social media for the past (laughs) like six months where at first she was posting about um how 
like mocking sort of the mask mandates. She was posting conspiracy theories about COVID and some of the science there. She was posting things that were against Black Lives Matter that were in support of police. She was posting things that were making fun of people for putting their pronouns in their Mm -hmm. Instagram bios and such. And so then uh, I think that people have been you know, sort of out on her or progressively getting out on her, but nothing really had happened as far as consequences to her actions. But then this week she posted something on her Instagram story that was basically um, equating the experience of Republicans in the U.S. today with the experience of Jews in Nazi in the early days of Nazi Germany. And it was like, uh, this is very anti-Semitic. It's not factual. It's mm. very just like tone deaf. And so Lucas Films released this statement that said that they found what she had posted abhorrent and that she would not be involved in any further filming of The Mandalorian or any of the other Star Wars series that she was attached to but like we've said cancel culture isn't like mm-hmm. like cancel culture is only canceling if you and like accept that and she released a statement that said you can't cancel us if we don't let you <laughs> and then she's now developing and supposedly producing a film on this conservative website called daily wire which i'm oh, not familiar with but it's like yeah the the canceling i think only really works if the person decides that they themselves are canceled or their actions are so bad that as a population, no one will support them. It's like if (laughs) there are still people who are willing to support the person and they're not canceled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like, this is business and Lucasfilms had a contract and then they didn't re up it. It's like, what do you want them to do? Like they don't owe you anything. And so it's not, you're not being canceled. You're just not getting your, (laughs) you're not getting re-upped because you happened to do something that the business didn't like. And I just, I think it's so frustrating when people try to paint it as like, they try to victimize those who have already, who are in trouble because they, I don't know, bullied some group or did something abhorrent or, you know, did something in the wrong, but now they they want to be the victim? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's well, very frustrating. And like you said, it's a business decision, even I think less so in most of these cases than a moral decision by yeah. these companies. Because if you're Lucasfilms and you have the options of A, keeping a controversial star who's not the main star of the show but just like a supporting character on this show knowing that there's a large swath of the population who probably won't watch or will be upset or will protest the show if you keep her or you can get rid of her and you know cast a new person for not even in that role but just like you know but do storylines that don't involve that person. Well, there's a lot less blowback from that. I'm sure that there will be some Gina Carano fans who stop <laughs> watching the Mandalorian because she is not on it. But I think that number is just statistically going to be much smaller. Well, but that's than the, the num- argument of cancel culture, right? Is that the masses bully these companies into doing something they don't actually care about and thus ruin these poor defenseless little people who don't have a free voice anymore. And, um, yeah but like gina but the thing is it's like gina carano made this decision like when (laughs) she when like this is not something that she posted and was like then shocked to find out that there were people who disagreed with her you know it's like if you're posting something that is 
equating Nazi Germany with the current U.S. Like, that is something that you know is going to be controversial. And she's a grown adult. Like, she she knew when she... She didn't have to post that. And when she made that decision (laughs) to post it, like, she knew there was going to be repercussions in some way, shape, or form. So what? You don't like this hot take? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. Even with, like, this contestant, Rachel Kirkconnell, Chris Harrison was like, oh, my gosh, she's getting death threats. And it's like, yeah. But that itself is not cancel culture. Like, you can't redefine this thing just to fit whatever window you want to complain about. Like, the idea of holding her accountable or asking for where she stands now or having her apologize to the people who feel hurt and directly impacted by her continuation and perpetuation of racist ideas is not cancel culture. It's a chance to, one acknowledge room for growth and hopefully prove that you've grown since that poor choice but also to prove that like oh yeah you know what I shouldn't do this thing but the thing is even her who has done these things and who didn't apologize for weeks has been seeing a perpetual growth of followers so it's like I'm sick of people saying that people are being canceled when no, they're just they're just pivoting to a different audience. And and it's usually, frankly, a disturbing audience who sees no problem with what happened, like Gina, who can now make a film and get a career on her conservative news site. Like it's like these people aren't going away. Like Louis C.K. has not gone away. Like these people who have been canceled still have huge platforms. J.K. Rowling will get a multimillion dollar deal if HBO chooses to work with her. Like there's no real Show me someone who's been canceled. Like, I just, I don't think it's ever happened. Well, the other thing is that um, I feel like people, even even through social media where, you know, there's sort of like this thick wall of glass between us, the, the subscribers, and them, mm-hmm. the celebrity, that you can tell the people who are actually sorry for what they did and mm-hmm. the people who are not. Mm-hmm. And I think that when things come up from somebody who does seem very genuinely apologetic and it feels like, yes, this was something that I did in my past, but I acknowledge that it's bad. I've moved on from that. I'm trying like there's a difference between that mentality and sort of this like, oh, I have to try to cover up mentality or the let me get defensive mentality. And I think ultimately the population is just trying to hold people accountable to be better. And if you are willing and if you also agree with that point of view that you do make mistakes and that you are trying to get better, I think that people accept that in a lot of situations. It's just when you get these sort of fakey statements or things that don't really feel like someone's trying to make change or growth that the problem comes. I think the third cancel story of the week that we should discuss is um, is the Justin Timberlake. Thing. Oh, yeah. So did you because, watch the documentary? Yes. Okay. So I watched the uh, what free framing, framing, Spears? Britney Spears. Britney Spears. framing Britney Spears, which, by the way, is un- is so hard to find. It was like it's like the <laughs> sixth. I thought it was like a separate documentary, but it's like the sixth episode in this oh, New York Times presents see, documentary yeah. series, and then none of the other like it's the most <laughs> wide range I don't of know. topics. If you go to Hulu.com, Matt. Like maybe that's you know your yeah. problem. Well, no, yes, I yes, I did, it's I did like figure it out eventually, but yeah. I was, but it was, yeah, it was kind of confusing. I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was like in a series of other yeah. things, and the other episodes are like that australian wildfires they're not like 
uh, thing. They're not like other pop culture right. stories or something. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But obviously in that documentary, they sort of paint Justin Timberlake in a bad light. They do as... not paint him in a bad light. They put a light on his bad behavior. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Okay, yes. They... <laughs> They sort of call him out yeah. in a way that I think in general, I mean, you were, you have been keyed in on this for quite yes, some time, but you. I feel like the general populace populace was behind yeah. and was not sort of aware of his taking advantage of the situation with <laughs> Britney Spears and also with Janet Jackson, which wasn't even mentioned in the documentary where he sort of used it to propel his fame while these women's careers suffered yeah. uh, because of things that he had done or, reputations that he had sort of perpetuated Mm -hmm. and so he released this statement like apologizing to Brittany and janet and so and like saying he would do better but it wasn't i mean i don't know i thought it was a fine apology like it's it's sort of like hit the notes that i like like the textbook (laughs) things that you should say but it did not necessarily feel super apologetic and it also felt like very uh too little too late in the fact that he's already reaped all these benefits. And then now he's sort of like, okay, well let me just like release this one little thing and, and then we'll be all good. Right. Oh yeah. It felt so flippant. It was like, even the way he did it, he's like, it's come to my attention that people have been talking about this. It's like, Mm -hmm. you should have been worried about this ever coming out. Like you should have been self-aware enough. And then on top of that, it's a casual byline where he's like, Oh, sorry to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. And then he Mm -hmm. goes on some sort of rant where he's like, I'm, a victim of this culture too like wow misogyny isn't that crazy like it's just like uh, i do not enjoy justin timberlake and this sort of just this was just a perfect example of why like everything he does feels so canned like to the point where he's trying to to do this dance that he thinks he's talented enough to pull off but it's like it's thin it's the thin veneer that you can just see through you can just see his desperate cogs turning of like how do i spin this to protect my image i this this for me went to support my theory which is that (laughs) in sync will be getting back together because (laughs) i because i have i feel like i've talked about this on the podcast before but like the the key to whether or not a group gets back together like whether there's a reunion of a group is based on is the most successful person in the group now not as successful anymore. Mm, like that's, mm-hmm. that's what you have to watch. Like one direction will not be getting back together because Harry Styles <laughs> is now currently very successful right. by himself. But if it ever comes a point where Harry Styles is not as successful by himself, then they could get back together. Right, yeah. And Justin Timberlake is obviously the most successful person in sync. Yeah. And so I think for a long time, the, the going, getting back together with them has no appeal, but mm-hmm. His last couple movies have not done well, especially this movie Palmer that just came out to no uh, fanfare (laughs) at all. He had that weird scandal where he was like maybe cheating on Jessica Biel last Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. winter. Mm -hmm. He had his last album did not do well. And he had that halftime show, which I think in general people (laughs) did not like. I think the last thing that you can point to that Justin Timberlake did that had any kind of success was that song that was in Trolls. And that was like five years ago at this point. Good song. And so I think if you're Justin Timberlake and you're looking around and thinking, 
okay, I'm not really getting any good press. Like what is working for me at this point? You know what will get a lot of good press is getting in sync back together. <laughs> if post COVID they're like, hey, we're getting in sync back together and we're going on a tour of the United States. You cannot tell me that that is not getting amazing <laughs> press and that they are making a crap ton of money off of that because Gross. everybody between the age of like 22 and 45 will be buying tickets. Mm, so no. I think it's just, I think we're just like one <laughs> failure from Bad Justin Timberlake cycle. away yeah. <laughs> from a in sync reunion and I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. I Chris Kilpatrick start losing that weight cuz we got it's coming. <laughs> I think his ego is too big. I think it killed him to even have them on stage during the uh, Super Bowl or what was it? He did some sort of short He had them on there like at at, at like his um it his like MTV retrospective yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. But I'm telling you <laughs> His ego, like he has not had a hit since the Trolls movie. Know, like he's desperate for some good press. Yeah, well, I hope that and, day and never it's comes. Mo- and it's money too, because know. you know that those touring companies are like, Justin, we'll give you, oh, you know, yeah. fifty million dollars if you yeah. do this. And where is he getting money from <laughs> at this point? You know, yeah, it's drying up. Yeah, this is season three of the Sinner Jessica Beale's not a cash yeah. cow either. So, <laughs> well, actually, um. Speaking of framing Britney Spears, I have enjoyed seeing all these like, wow, David Letterman actually sucked. And oh my gosh, did you oh, see this yeah. dance? Oh yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I'm all for this like vindication of the aughts and the early 2010s when women, especially women in media, were just taught, treated so horribly. And even the think pieces about what that did for our generation growing up, seeing women treated that way, just like all of that is so mesmerizing to me. If there's a good book about it, let me know because I would love to read some sort of I feel of like there has to be one. Down. I feel yeah. like I've seen like that sell 16 times 100%. in Publishers Weekly. But um, this is tangentially related, so don't scoff yet. But Taylor Swift has um, announced her first re-recording, oh, yes. mm-hmm. which is her sort of the, the album that, that took her you know, to the world stage, which is Fearless, featuring Love Story and You Belong With Me and 15 and some of her bigger hits. And so she released the first single off of it, Love Story, and Fearless is coming out in April. And there's been so much positive press about it. And I feel like it has to be vindicating to her for so many reasons. One, because this single has already made a huge hit on the streaming sites on people have like been buying a physical copy. Obviously you have Swifties who will do anything. It's, it's expected to be a big deal. These re-recordings and this single sort of showed like one, these are all going to be technically eligible for awards for Grammys. Like they're playing on radios. They'll get, they'll be charted on like a separate account. So it's, this is a whole new chance for her to get new number ones from old songs, all this stuff. But on top of that, there's all this like vindication about how we talked about Taylor Swift when she was this young starlet premiering Fearless and then Speak Now and just the interviews she did with Ellen and all the headlines about boys and whatever. And so I'm sure it's just an exciting time to be any of those women who were featured <laughs> on these talk shows and just being like, yes, thank you. Hashtag free Britney. Like this is a moment for us to discuss the toxic way we treated our female stars. 
Yeah, I'm not exactly sure whether I would lump Taylor Swift <laughs> in with all of those people in like quite I wasn't the same the one who way. Did it. But I, I saw headlines yes. that did it, and I yes. was like, okay. "Oh, I love okay. this. I love seeing this." Because if you remember, I had to spend so much of my time with you and Tim in the office, being like, "Taylor Swift wrote her own songs," and both of you well, guys being like, "No, she didn't." Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. okay, and that is sexism. So. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I mean, not to throw a fellow a colleague under the bus or whatever. <laughs> I think that the didn't write her own music thing was more his. Yeah, the yeah. issues that I have with Taylor Swift are less about her yeah. writing her own music <laughs> and more about her like manipulating narratives mm, in a bunch of well, ways. Maybe the narrative had been manipulated for her is what I'm I saying. Mean, so I, this is yes. a chance for her to start over, like a redo. And it's exciting to see that happen in, in real time. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it all goes. Yeah, Obviously, I think, I'll always love the re-recordings, but it's it's an interesting layer to see the general public react to it, too. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I wonder how... Obviously, this is the first one, and mm-hmm. it's one of her more popular songs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and it's getting a lot of love. I'm sort of interested to see what the rollout of this is going to be. Yeah. Because, I mean, what... I think it's it's, it's, it's six albums that she has yeah. that she's going to be doing this for. And presumably, they're all going to have bonus tracks, and they're all going to have you know all kinds of things mm. and i wonder like is she planning on doing this sort of like cycle where she's gonna have singles and she's gonna release them sort of one at a time or is it going to be something where she's doing that for this but then later on they're just gonna all sort of like dump it once um i think she has motivation to drag it out i mean i think so too but i also wonder sort of like what the stamina is i mean not among swifties but among like the general populace of how many times can you get the news (laughs) and people excited about like oh and here's you belong with me and oh here's 22 and oh here's you know we're never getting back together and here's (laughs) tim mcgraw it's like okay there's only so many times that i feel like people can be that jazzed up about it so i think that but she is a marketer like Mm. that's the thing that she is so Mm. i'm sure that her and her team have figured out the way to do this they'll be the most lucrative to her in the long run i'm just intrigued (laughs) as to what that will look like yeah i mean you have a hundred songs like i feel like if she dumps them all they'll just get buried by one another whereas this way she has a chance to pull out quieter hits and force them to be acknowledged more i guess but like also i mean maybe technically these are eligible for awards but like are they like is someone going to give them awards like are yes maybe they could be a number one again but like are radio stations and stuff going to play them all you know so i don't know nostalgia these days i mean there is but is there (laughs) Is there that much of a love for nostalgia yeah. that for the next year they're just going to be willing to play random like Taylor <laughs> yeah. Swift songs? I know it'll be interesting. I can see the the threat of overexposure in a way, but it's also like there's this added energy to it because she is sort of sticking it to the man in such a refreshing way <laughs> that it's like wow, look at Taylor do it again, like another knife in the back of her of her right. masters. And but so. like come next November when she's <laughs> yeah. like speak now, are we going to be like yes, like give us the 55th single, we want it. Yeah. I'm not sure. I also think, also it's surprised. like is she is do we think that she's like working on new music at all like are we playing is there going to be another album coming or is it just like canceled tour technically like she's waiting to reschedule like what is that going to be yeah it's a it's 
I was surprised to see that there was a three month window between putting out the single and releasing the whole album. But so, yeah, I'm not sure if she's going to keep doing this or if it will just be like 2030 and there she's like, oh, yeah, here's reputation. Also, I mean, so I listened to this song and then I went back and listened to the old version. Mm -hmm. And I think that like there's they're different. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they're not it's not. For some reason in my mind, I assume that they would be trying to make it as close as possible to the original mm-hmm. so that they're sort of like interchangeable. But that's not really the case. I mean, they're not different songs, but you can easily tell that they're mm. doing different things. So I'm wondering, like, just in the long term, will like more people listen to the original? Will more people listen to the new one? Like, uh, will there yeah. be big enough differences in certain songs where people are like, oh, yeah, I like this version better or that well, version or whatever? bigger deal is the new songs well more on a monetizing level is that she owns the rights to her publishing so anytime it's used in tv commercials video games films tiktok like they have to license a specific track and so now she can kind of say you won't get these rights unless you choose my 2021 version so i feel like that's more of the strategy i sort of work in that field right Uh now and i don't know like I don't, I mean, I know, I'm sure that is lucrative in some well, capacities, yeah, yeah. but I'm not sure how much money is coming in on yeah. that, you know? Yeah. I feel like what's interesting, I mean, yes, there is a difference, but it's almost like just the recording style because it's technically the same notes. It's technically the same instruments. It's technically the same beats almost that she hits with her voice, like the same everything. It's just all feels like, it's like same, same, but different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah i don't know i feel like it'll be harder to decide like what ones like between 1989 or reputation like when she hasn't changed that much vocally and she you know because fearless debut obviously she has a twang she's more country her voice is a lot weaker and so the the difference is a lot more audible whereas the older ones i'm like well what is that gonna be like listening to a whole album that's just the same album you know (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, and maybe, and maybe that's it, where she's where she's starting with Fearless, because that's where right. it will make more of a difference. And then with some of these other ones, she'll just be like, "Yeah, you can just like put those <laughs> all up go. there, like, yeah. like we don't need a whole another like look what you made me do music video or something with this." <laughs> oh, but we could always use one, you know. Is that your love it or hate it, the Taylor Swift, <laughs> or do you have a separate love it or hate no, it? No, that's perfect. We can we can count that. Okay, I watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, mm, which mm-hmm, I think you also mm-hmm. watched. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that, which I really liked. Did yeah. you like it as well? No, it was good. It's it's really sad, just the state of our world and how little it's changed. And that's really depressing to witness, but it was really well done. Yeah. So this is a new movie. It's out on HBO. HBO. And it's about the life of Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the Black Panther Party at one point in the 70s. And he 60s? was only like 20 years old. Yes. Yes. He was like 23 or something, no, I think. he was 20. He died when he was 21. Oh, okay. I'm really sad. <laughs> Very. Uh, I, I did look that up because I was like, Daniel Kaluuya, I think, is like in his 30s or whatever. But then the person who's playing his girlfriend is sort of younger and i was like wait how old were these people um but anyway yes he was very young and the movie is about this 
a man played by Lakeith Stanfield, who is sort of an FBI informant who gets arrested for something completely different and then is basically told by the police that they have that he has to infiltrate this Black Panther Party and spy on Fred Hampton and also, you know, just like the organization in general. And sort of he then leads directly to the death and kidnapping and arrest of like various different members of this party and Mm -hmm. sort of screws up a bunch of things. And it's interesting because I think that there's three different movies that are all coming out this year or are out now that all have to do with this, uh, like these FBI um, sort of like inside spying jobs on like high profile African-Americans back in the 60s and 70s and so yeah it's it's a it's a like terrifying story and very gut-wrenching and very sad and also something that I at least really wasn't aware of that I don't think is in the forefront of the public consciousness despite the fact that it's a very big story and yeah the movie I think is really well done Daniel Kaluuya is Fred Hampton, Lakeith Stanfield's in it, but it also has a bunch of really good supporting actors like Jesse Plemons and Dominique Fishback, who we both really liked in um, that terrible movie where they had to take the pills and become superheroes this summer. Um, what was that called? Become superheroes. It's Jamie Foxx. Oh, remember the, when they had to take the pill oh, yeah. and then they like become a dragon. The eggs, the, the power. The yes, pow- power project. Power, power project. <laughs> yes, she was the rapper. That's she was right. good. Yes. That's and right. Wh- okay. And Ashton Sanders is in it, who's from Moonlight. Um, yes. So Lil Rel from the oh, hit yeah. sitcom. <laughs> he was there. Rel. Canceled too soon, RIP. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I thought this was a good, was really good. And especially, I think, in this year's crop of Oscar contenders, mm-hmm. which quite frankly, I have found very underwhelming. Yeah. This was finally one that I felt like deserved its spot in the mix Mm -hmm. um you know this isn't like the trial of chicago seven which Mm -hmm. i found slightly exhausting or mank which was just like too inscrutable or even i also this week watched pieces of a woman the vanessa kirby shia labeouf Mm -hmm. which it's weird to watch a movie with shia labeouf and he can really only do one thing in a film so he's just like (laughs) fully shia labeoufing (laughs) but i did not i didn't think that was that good so Mm. i so this was very good and well worth the watch like if you're looking for something that is like a serious film where it's like good acting a good script really gets into important cultural issues like this is that movie for you i think yeah it was beautifully done and really beautiful music too yes yeah and i love Keith. i really do i think he's so talented I I I do. I really like him. I feel like he he doesn't like pop as much in this movie as Daniel Kaluuya, who is mm-hmm. doing a lot more. Yeah. But yes, he's very talented in everything he yeah. does. But yeah, well, okay. This episode has gone very long. We've I know, I'm sorry. you know truly it's too much so news too to much, discuss. Yeah. <laughs> it's feast or famine with these yeah. celebrities. I'm telling you. Um, but leave us a review. Uh, share the podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um. Or send us an email at psurong at gmail.com. And we'll be back on Thursday to talk about the re-release of yes. the Brandy version of Cinderella. I can't so, believe I got you to do this. Honestly. I know. It's I'm on so Disney excited. Plus And we watched it. And we got... We're going to discuss. There's so much to talk about. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.